Sam McLaren Fahey, and this is You Survived, Now What? Each week, we will hear from a survivor, learn their story, and ask the question, now what? This episode was recorded over Zoom and doesn't always have the greatest sound quality. Today, we are talking to a guest who would like to remain anonymous. She is asked that we call her Lotus. Lotus grew up in Colorado, but currently works as a prosecutor in New Mexico. I survived. I survived. I survived. Now what? I grew up in a pretty modest home as a kid. I had divorced parents. They separated when I was about eight years old. Uh, It was a pretty tumultuous experience. It had a little bit to do with why I ended up becoming an attorney. I had an interest in the court system at that age and kind of grew up with it in the back of my mind. But as time went on and my parents' relationship kind of had an effect on my life a little bit more than I realized at the time, at least I grew up and ended up graduating a little bit early and then going out into the world and trying to figure out what I was going to do with very little guidance. So I did a bunch of different jobs. I ended up working in broadcasting for about a decade or so. That kind of ended though when I was 28 and had an accident. It was a snowboarding accident. I used to snowboard a lot and do a lot of other outdoor activities and that sort of thing because I lived in Colorado. I had an accident one day and broke my leg and ankle and ended up kind of rerouting my life a little bit. I ended up getting blood clots in my lungs a month after the accident and then had a lot of subsequent health problems just in various ways over about two years after the accident. At the time of her accident, Lotus had a successful career in broadcasting. She owned a condo and a car, and at only 28, a routine ski trip changed everything. She not only severely broke her leg and ankle, but she developed potentially fatal blood clots in her lungs and eventually developed a chronic pain disorder as a result. I have what's called RSD or CRPS, which is reflex sympathetic dystrophy, and then the CRPS stands for chronic regional pain syndrome. And it's a long-term, typically, not always, issue that somebody has after an injury. Essentially what it does to a person is it kind of tweaks with your autonomic nervous system, and so your body reacts in a way that you really can't control. It makes you have extraordinary amounts of pain, swelling, discoloration. There's a lot of different effects that it has to an injured area and then there's people who have it where it spreads. I ended up with that in my leg and ankle which kind of complicated things. I'm not sure if it was related to when I had the blood clots because after I broke my leg I ended up with a blood clot in my leg. You know I was in the hospital for all of this stuff on and off probably over a period of about three months spread out through the two years right after the accident for various things. The blood clots, you know, I was in the hospital for a week for that. And then I had surgery on my ankle. They removed a bone. I had some nerve blocks done. And then I also had an epidural, which required hospitalization for about a week or so. There were just other things throughout that time where, you know, I was kind of in and out of the hospital. I couldn't really function. Literally, I couldn't go to work because at one point I think I was on like 12 different medications and like we're talking 
morphine, opiates type, I mean, Dilaudid, gabapentin, all kinds of anti-anxiety type medications, like everything you could imagine because one drug then affected me in this way and they would treat me with this and that. And it was kind of like this wild roller coaster I was on. I felt like I had no control over it when in reality, I ultimately found out that I did. And that's kind of what got me away from all of that. I think it's easy to get sucked into the system when you have a severe illness or injury. Of course, there's times when people need that, but then there's times where it becomes more problematic. For instance, with my case, long-term pain management, that <laughs> caused probably more problems than the pain itself. But there's a period of adjustment when you experience that type of pain. I mean, it took me years to sort of work through it and understand this is something I'm going to have for the rest of my life. If I focus on it in a certain way, it's going to really destroy things. And I didn't want that to happen. I had to make a decision realizing that if I had continued to take the medications that my doctors were giving me, that my life was going to continue down the path that it was on, which was loss. Like just one thing after the next, you know, financial loss, losing my job, losing my house, all these different things that were happening in my life. It was just not the direction that I wanted it to go. So I had to make a conscious decision to change what was happening. And it wasn't easy. I mean, that was a very difficult thing to do. But once I made the decision to do it, it wasn't like, oh my God, this is horrible. It was, okay, you've decided to do this. So here's the goal. And I focused more on the goal than on, you know, this pain and the other stuff that was distracting me so much before while I was going through all of this. So many people in the chronic pain world have to fight this medication battle. Do I take these pills and potentially damage other parts of my body? Or do I continue living in crippling pain? There's also a battle of, do I want to live in a daily fog without the pain? but also with no other feelings at all. Coming off of the medication was the right step for Lotus, but before this decision, those pills and this pain drastically diverted her life plans. After multiple surgeries and hospital stays, Lotus was out of an income, but had done everything she was supposed to do. She had disability insurance through work and filed almost immediately. I had been attempting to get assistance through the state with social security disability and that sort of thing because I'd been working my adult life up to that point. Trying to get assistance was pretty much not going to happen. They kept telling me that I needed to go ask my parents for help because my parents were both still alive at the time. And that was pretty much what I was told. I was doing broadcasting stuff and so I had a really good job. I had a lot of good insurance and disability insurance, health, blah, blah, blah. Like every health insurance type of thing that you could have to protect yourself in a situation like this. So I was on disability and they determined one week before I had surgery on my leg to remove a bone that had not healed. It had been broken for like almost a year. They determined at that time that I was no longer disabled. So they cut off my disability payment and that then in turn required that I file a lawsuit against them to get the rest of the money that they owed me for that. I was obviously still disabled. And apparently this is some common thing that happens. Lotus had no income, 
She couldn't work because of her health, and she could no longer receive disability payments. Soon after, she lost her job entirely, and she lost her condo too. Right before I lost my condo, I had some friends move in with me and they were buying food, but it was pretty sketchy for a while as far as how I survived. And I don't really want to get into the details of all that, but it was not really a good situation. My dad lived like three hours away. Periodically, he would come down. My mom lived in town, but this whole situation created a, a certain type of conflict with my mother and I that she wasn't really involved in my life at the time, like in a very, well, just at all. But my dad and I were talking and he was trying to help me out as much as he could. But I mean, with the amount of drugs that I was on, I mean, prescription drugs, I was not functioning appropriately. And I probably needed someone to assist me, but that wasn't happening. So that's how I ended up losing my house and everything else. I was able to keep my car. My first husband, I've been married twice. My first husband, we had divorced a couple of years prior to this. He helped me out with my car payment or else I would have lost my car. I had a place to kind of get around and to stay if, you know, worst came to worst. I was staying with some friends here and there and that was pretty much it, which was interesting because, I mean, I grew up in Denver and that's where I was the level of incapacitation that the drugs were sort of presenting in my life at the time resulted in some social issues. I mean, I wasn't getting along with people that I had been friends with for years and it just, it was a bad situation. There were certainly things that I was doing that were not really helping me. They were not good decision-making basically, but that's kind of what happens when you're on that many drugs. After the accident, I had lost my house. I filed bankruptcy. There was a lot of financial consequences from that whole situation. Having insurance and everything else that doesn't cover everything when you're going through something like that long-term. So I ended up with a lot of medical debt. So after all that happened and I ended up recovering from everything, it was a, a very, stressful time I guess like with the medical stuff with the physical issues dealing with not having money not having a job not really being able to kind of function in a normal way I ended up getting a settlement from my disability insurance so and that took like at least a year probably more for that to happen I had an attorney they had to deal with them and so on and so forth. So for a year, I didn't really have any kind of an income at all. I had no money. If I did have any money, it would have been from student loans or something from school for like books and stuff like that. Cause I was able to cover costs up with my books and things like that. But that was also a little bit more of a priority to me at the time. Cause I knew if I wasn't focusing on something that everything would just be complete shit. There were parts of school. I mean, I minored in art, and so I spent a lot of time like focused on art. But it was probably six months, well, six months of the not having a place to live and not having anything like really stable. But without an income, it was probably about a year, a little bit more than that. Lotus split her time between crashing on couches and sleeping in her car. One accident.
Lotus was in one skiing accident and her life was turned completely upside down. How many of us are just one accident or one illness away from losing everything? I asked Lotus if this was a thought that had ever crossed her mind before it happened to her. I was young at the time, like I was 28. So I had no concept of any of that. That's why I had all this insurance. I figured, well, I'm doing the right thing. I have an awesome job. I'm making a fair amount of money. I bought a place to live. I had my car. I was on the up and up. And then next thing you know, the insurance decides that they're not going to cover you anymore because it's their protocol. And uh, it has nothing to do with reality or facts or anything that's actually happening. It's just, we have to cut you off at this point. And if you want to proceed with this matter, then you will sue us. I ended up obviously paying the attorney. He got like a third of what I got. So in the end, I mean, what I would have ended up with had the insurance companies just done what they should have done, things would have been a little bit different. I knew that I needed to put myself in a position where I wasn't going to end up back there again. The whole situation really messed with me, like on a trauma level, like not having a place to live and not really trusting yourself to be able to hold a job because of all this stuff that had happened over a long period of time. You get used to that and then suddenly you expect it. So I wanted to have something in my pocket, I guess, if you will, that I knew that I wouldn't have to work for someone else if I didn't have to, um, or if I didn't need to, that would make me employable without any kind of issues. You know, working in broadcasting and television, it's not necessarily like the easiest career field to like just go jump jobs. And, you know, there's not like a bunch of jobs out there doing what I was doing. So being an attorney was one of those things where it was like, okay, well, I could work for myself. If something happens, I can do all these different things. It will also give me knowledge that I need to feel comfortable uh, again because I kind of felt like I didn't understand what was happening when all this was going on. And I didn't from a legal perspective, from an advocacy perspective, like I don't think there was much advocacy going on on my behalf, at least. So I felt like if I knew this stuff that I would at least be able to advocate for myself better. It took a long time for me to really decide it. I did my master's first just to kind of, I studied alternative dispute resolution. And doing that, I wanted to kind of figure out, well, is this really where I want to go as far as law school is concerned? And it was pretty obvious when I was done with that, that yeah, I need to learn more. I feel like that experience kind of, there were a lot of things that came from that that made me want the knowledge that I needed in order to move forward with my life with regard to the fear that I had being unemployable and then also with the fear of homelessness kind of made me feel a little bit more secure in both of those areas. Lotus found her now what? She decided that she never wanted to be in that position again. She had lost her health, her job, her home, and was heading down a path of destruction in hopes of pulling herself out. Lotus wanted to work for herself. She wanted to no longer be beholden to a career that was so hard to progress in, 
and she no longer wanted to have to rely on the legal expertise of other people who potentially didn't have her best interests at heart. I feel like my experience that I went through, there were so many different parts of it. There was this physical component, there was a financial component. There were just so many different layers to what was going on at that time. I feel like it gives me a different perspective in my career as a prosecutor. And and pretty sure that's why I ended up back to what I'm doing again in this job, because I feel like I have a certain understanding about what that is and everything that goes on when you go through something like that, that it's not just this, oh, well, you got injured, and now you have this. It's There's so many different things that are going on with the person when they're dealing with trauma, whether it's physical trauma, emotional trauma, whatever, you know, sexual trauma, any kind of trauma, it affects a person on so many different levels that it's something that a lot of people don't really understand unless they've been through something like that. So I'm glad I'm able to at least use my bad experience that I went through to get me here to where I'm at and hopefully help some people in my current position. I think I have a little bit more rounded perspective of reality. A lot of attorneys that mold of, you know, mommy and daddy sent you to school, no problems ever in your life. Things are great. and You've never seen like bad stuff happen. And then there's a number of attorneys that are not like that. There's some in the middle there, you know, but I'm one of the people who's seen it firsthand. And I understand the dynamics that might be involved in a situation that a lot of other attorneys might not see. Those people may go into a different area of law for that reason too. I don't know, but being a prosecutor is very personal. It's, you know, it's crimes that happen typically to people in one way or another. It could be financial or it could be physically in some way. Usually it's some sort of violation to that person. And so it has a traumatizing effect. And I think that having that experience with trauma helps me to understand what people are going through. not only as a victim, but also as a defendant. And that you don't become a defendant because things are going well in your life. And so I get that something has to be addressed there. Some prosecutors understand that. Some of them sort of get it, I think, on an academic level. Some of them are a little bit more empathetic, but as far as my experience, I can see sort of immediately these problems, It's so personal to me and my experience in life. And so it kind of is a natural thing. I've done other types of law. I was an attorney general. I did civil work with them and it was not the same. Being a prosecutor requires an incredible amount of honesty, which I think I appreciate most about my job because you have to look at stuff in a way where you really see what's happening instead of this that I would see a lot in the civil world, this imaginary like fluff that people make up. Criminal is like at the core flawed things within a person that need to be dealt with that have gotten so out of control that now the police are involved in their life. That is something I get, not because I had police involvement necessarily, but just because the level or the depth of a problem when it becomes that 
is something that I completely understand. So I think that from both sides of the fence, as far as the defendant is concerned, and my, I have a true concern for them getting help because I don't want them to do this to society or to certain people, is also the same with the victims. It's the, the victim has been traumatized and that is its own separate situation that has to be dealt with. I just think I'm more attuned to a lot of that stuff because of what I went through. I might as well take advantage of the situation that I went through and this unfortunate knowledge that I have, but why not do something with that and try to help other people? I feel like I was given a second opportunity at life by surviving the blood clots because that was pretty, pretty serious stuff. And so to know that what happened to keep me alive, uh, it was sort of a miraculous event in my mind. and. I didn't want to like spit in the face of whatever caused that to happen where I survived um, when the odds of my survival at that point were pretty low. Lotus is able to be more empathetic to survivors and even the defendants that she encounters. I asked Lotus how she was able to process hearing stories of trauma on a daily basis. I think that after a certain point, you kind of just learn how to automatically process it and get rid of it. I have a rule that I don't talk about my cases outside of work, and it, it isn't because of the ethical issue involved, it's because of the, I don't want to bring this home part of it. It has taken a long time to figure that out. Like when I, I first became an attorney and was a prosecutor, then it was very stressful to me and it, I would take it home and it would bother me and stress me out. And I wasn't able to think about my job in the way that I needed to think about it because of the amount of stress it was causing me. So that's why I ended up stepping away from prosecution for a while. It's a little bit different now because I've had the chance to step back from it and understand that there's certain parts of this that I need to keep kind of control over. And I didn't realize that before. So I think sometimes just stepping away from things is good. And in this particular situation, I think it's been particularly beneficial. Today, Lotus has been working in criminal law for many years. She shared with me the story of one of the first survivors she worked with that helped her realize that her own journey was a tool that could help others. She wasn't going to be the lawyer working for themselves. She was going to advocate for others in the way that she had wanted to advocate for herself so many years before. I had a victim um, of a sexual assault case and it was really the first sexual assault case that I had been assigned to work on. And I felt like, I mean, you know, she was homeless. And of course that was an issue that was taken advantage of by the defense counsel. And obviously they do things like that, but she was probably one of the few victims that I had in any cases where I felt like I actually was helping her. You could, I mean, she's homeless and you could tell that she had been mistreated like over her life and people wouldn't stick up for her. And so she was, she was really like alone. Within all of this, she was so appreciative of like what little I was able to do for her. 
you could tell that she really just appreciated the fact that somebody even like cared to come and talk to her and bother to find her and try to help her get justice in this case. I don't know if it's because of her homelessness that I identified with her maybe. I, I don't know because I know that when you're in a situation like that, the odds of you being sexually assaulted or taken advantage of are pretty high. I think maybe in, in a lot of or in a lot of ways that I identified with her in that way. I think it made me help her or want to help her a little bit more. Finally, I asked Lotus to share any advice with people in a similar situation. Give yourself some time and know that things will always change. I mean, it's just like things got bad, things will get good again. Basically, just don't give up. There were a number of times when I was going through this where I was really depressed because I didn't see the end, but it, it's not forever and it might take years, but just don't stop heading towards the goal. up. This is such a hard thing to tell ourselves when we're in the midst of a seemingly endless situation. And many times in the thick of it, this is a hard thing to hear. Your situation won't change because 10 people who don't understand how it feels are telling you to think positively. Or because your cousin's best friend's co-worker took this magical herb and you should too. But your situation will change. Like Lotus said, it may take years. Your path may have many more downs than ups, but you will always know what is best for you. Fight for yourself. Advocate for yourself and know that whatever your best is, is enough. Apparently, the condo caught on fire like a month or something after I left there. So it's kind of a strange, maybe it's better that this happened. I mean... That's kind of a weird situation, but sometimes things happen for a reason. You find stuff out like that, and it kind of gave me a little bit different perspective of the fact that I lost that place. Thank you for listening to this episode of You Survived, Now What? Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. This show is created, hosted, and produced by me, with cover art by my rad dad, Max McLaren, and original music and editing from Evan Nill. If you would like to be a guest or share your story, using your name or anonymously, please email your story to yousurvivednowwhat at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook or on Instagram at YSNWpodcast. Tune in each week to laugh with us, cry with us, and survive with us. And remember to never tell anyone it could be worse. I survived. I survived. I survived. Now what?